The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from Second Life, it's Doctor Who Pachak. Doctor Who Podshop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifreyan Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. Podshock! I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock. This is episode 261, and this is Louis Trapani, and we're here live in Second Life for our seasonal meetup here. And once again, a new tradition has started where we're doing panel recordings at our meetups here where we'll tackle a different topic or a range of topics at each panel. And we're doing that again. So I'm going to introduce our panelists right away without any further ado. We have, in no particular order, I think this is probably just how people had agreed to um, to join us. I had just listed them down. So uh, there's Graham Sheridan, who I believe in Second Life, his name is, uh, he's using Jim, Jimmy McCrimmon, Sirius Silver Cloud. Is that right, Graham? Is that you? Yeah. We're now allowed to sort of change the character's name. So I've got Jamie McCrimmon, Jamie McCrimmon above Sirius Silver Cloud, which was the original name. Yes. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Second Life and you're listening to our show and you might be wondering, what are they talking about as far as names go? In Second Life, you are given, when you first sign up, you are given a name, and that's the name that basically is your ID, and that's how you're identified. Mine is 2TWO Hartman. Um, that's H A R T M A N N. And if you're a Doctor Who fan, you'll get what the last name means. So, um, and, but I'm able to, uh, at least able to put my real name, you know, above it right now in the latest, in the, in the newer versions of the Second Life viewer. Well, let me, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here. Let me continue introducing everyone here. So we I'm also have, <laughs> it's easy to go through these little, get sidetracked into these little rat holes, but um, all right, uh, cyber mat holes, I should say. All right. Next up is uh, Dave Cooper, who is known here as Dave AC Footman. So he's on the panel as well. Dave. Good to be here, Lewis. Yes. And, uh, nice to be on the panel. Great to have you, Dave, as always. Uh, also with us is none other than Victor First Mornington, who is uh, one of the caretakers of the land that we're occupying here. Occupy Second Life. Occupy. Well, now this isn't really. We're meeting here in the Doctor Who exposition, right, um, Victor? 
Yes, but I'm the Doctor Who Expo. Okay, so uh, is this part of Katrina, or is Katrina um, part of the Doctor Who Expo? Well, Katrina is the name of the region itself. Um, the, the Expo is just the, the catch-all name we've got for the exhibits here. I see. All right. Well, um, as I said, uh, Victor is one of the people that are responsible for is responsible for this land that we're in, um, along with others with their hard work, and we are grateful for Victor helping host our events every season. This is the fall autumn meetup. Well, I guess depending on um, where you're located in the world, it could probably be spring. I guess on the other side of the hemisphere. So. Uh, um, continue on with my introduction to the panelists. There's Dave Lewis, who is Dr. Bernard here. He, you may be familiar with his work with the TARDIS newsletter website, as um, the TARDIS newsroom, the TARDIS newsroom website, as well as um, the who is it? No, not Who Island. Is it uh, Who Par- um, Paradox Island? Paradox Island. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lewis. Very kind of you to have me on the panel. Uh, hello to everybody here at the Doctor Who Expo, and uh, a warm welcome to all the uh, Podshop View listeners. Well, thank you. It's always a delight to have you. You were on our original panel, um, uh, not last time, but the time before when we did when I think we did this for the eighth anniversary of Second Life. Yeah, yeah, I was here. Great pleasure on that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Normally crack up laughing, everybody gets fed up with me in the end. And then we have, uh, well, it's always good to have you. It's, uh, then we have uh, uh, Tristan Averden, as he's known on Second Life here. Also, um, in real life, it's Mike, Mike Rail. So, hello. And, oh, he's also, uh, he's responsible for um, Who Island. He's he's the one who's um, the Who Island master, right? Yeah, yeah, more more or less, or at least I I'm responsible for it. Uh, so hello everyone, uh, welcome to uh, what should be another great uh, Podshock meetup, and hello to all of Lewis's Podshock listeners listening at home. Fantastic, and last but definitely not least is um, the always beautiful, the always magnificent Safia uh, Safia Wild- Wildenschins, who I, I probably always mess up her name. I. I do apologize from Prim Perfect magazine. Don't worry. Well, it's great to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, it's great fun. I've just come in from a yachting competition, so uh, a Victorian yachting competition. So, hence my outfit. Wow. Well, fantastic. We're we're by the sea, I believe, right now. I feel like we're on the back deck of a ship. It feels like. <laughs> So it's all nautical. Before we get into the main uh, topic of our panel, we're going to, I first want to make a couple quick announcements. First is uh, today, the 19th of November. Um, Obviously, we're just a few days away from the 48th anniversary of Doctor Who. uh, But it's also today marks the 87th birthday of William Russell, one of the first companions of Doctor Who. He's 87 years old today. He's also um, one of the guests slated for Gallifrey One in February. Also, yesterday, Lewis. What was that? His birthday yesterday. It was, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. 
I thought, it, uh, no, I think it's, well, it depends what time zone you're in. <laughs> I, said, I, think, I think, isn't his birthday no, the 19th? No, you're all right, Lewis. He, he, he was born in England. It's his birthday. Okay, it's the 19th. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, uh, I was on about, sorry, Stephen Moffat's birthday was yesterday. Yeah, Stephen Moffat, but I was talking about William Russell. See, well, that's Tony Kalashin's birthday, I believe, as well today. <laughs> it's also Nikoya, Nikoya Mori, who I'm sure I'm messing up her name as well, from Torchwood. She played Tosh, Tashi. I'm terrible at names. Tosh. Tosh. <laughs> Just remember, what a load of Tosh. Yeah, but that was, that's, <laughs> that was actually short. That was, that was her nickname. It was actually uh, a longer name. But anyway, it's uh, Nikomi, Niko, no, Nako, N- Nayako Mori's birthday. And if she's listening, I do apologize. And she turns 40 today. So happy birthday. And a um, and while I'm on the birthday kick, we're just days away, not only from Doctor Who's birthday, but the day before Doctor Who's um, anniversary is Dave Cooper's birthday. So an early happy birthday to Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dave. We're not singing for you. <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> we were pondering what would be the topic for today's um, panel, and while we're, we were, you know, tossing around different ideas, and uh, Dave Lewis had some great ones, uh, but while we were, de- you know, kind of deliberating which one we would tackle. Well, news broke about a Doctor Who movie, so that's going to be um, that will be the topic for today's panel. But before we get into that, I just want to say we're just weeks away from a new Doctor Who episode, a Doctor Who special, the annual Christmas special. Um, there was a, tw- a trailer that came out yesterday, so that's available um, various websites on YouTube and whatnot, and they announced the name as well. And um, to um, no big surprise, the story is related to Christmas. So <laughs> it's uh, another Christmas-related story. Not, not that there's nothing wrong with that, but there's some. Um, we've went for about 43 years without any, without Christmas hardly being mentioned in Doctor Who. There was a William Hartnell story where he turned to the audience and <laughs> broke the fourth wall and wished everyone a, a happy Christmas, I believe. And But since then, there really hasn't been much. But now every year we get a Christmas special that, that last year was, you know, tackled the Christmas carol. And um, so any thoughts about that? Um, it's a, it's a, oh, also the children in need. Did they, did they show that yet? They were going to show some clips. They were going to show some footage of the Christmas special. Yeah, we've had a trailer going out now. So they... That's just over one minute. Okay, is that available on YouTube, or can people go and watch that now? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I can say it's on my site, but, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all out there. It's big stuff now. Does, if you do, yeah, um, yeah. do a search for the for the um, Children in Need Doctor Who special, it'll come up on that, and it'll run the special, and the trailer's on the end of it. Does uh, Children yeah, Mike, Need... Uh, Randall Thor said it was uh, not region-locked. Okay, so that kind of answers that sort of answers my questions. Then, all right, I, I was going to ask if they had a their own YouTube channel. I think Red Nose did. Um, I wasn't sure about Children in Need. All right, so uh, uh, ch- so uh, we did put one out. I'll try and find it in a minute. Well, if um, it, well, by the time you listen to this, I'm sure probably everyone's probably 
seen it by now, but if not, you can check out the TARDIS newsroom and we'll probably have it up on um, Doctor Who on Podshock.net as well. So it's um, um, Dave, Dr. Bernard, you, um, can you just give the URL to the TARDIS newsroom? Uh, I've got better still. I've got the link to the BBC HD version of it, which I'm now posting. <laughs> okay, great. So if you're listening to the Hands podcast right now, it will be um, we'll include that link. All right, so fantastic. Any any thoughts about the? I haven't seen obviously from um, from what you gathered. I haven't seen the clip yet. So I saw the trailer. Um, for those that have seen the clips, any 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 reaction? Any yay nay? Are you, is everyone looking forward to it? It's it's difficult to say anything without being too spoilish, of course, uh, Lewis. Okay. There may be some people here that don't wish to, to know, know that information, but. Okay. Fair enough. It certainly looked lavish. It, it, it looked lavish, let's put it that way. It's <laughs> excited, of course, which these trailers are supposed to do. They're supposed to get your, your well, I say your juices flowing, but you really like to want to see this as soon as possible. So, And trailer definitely does that job. Okay, fantastic. I, uh, my personal feeling just on the Christmas uh, specials to begin with is that there's definitely, with the exception of two of the Christmas specials that we've had since the resurrection of Doctor Who, so to speak, uh, they tend to be a little more just enjoyable and entertaining and almost filler. So I think there's a lot of less pressure Mm -hmm. on being critically analytical about a Christmas special, at least for me, because I know it's just going to be something fun that the family's intended to watch, uh, you know, on Christmas Day. So uh, with the exception of, I think, the Christmas invasion and, of course, David Tennant's last uh, story, nothing important really happens in a Christmas special. It's just something there for you to sit back and have a good time with. Yeah, I think you hit a, um, you, you touch a, a valuable you know, bring up a valuable point there. Uh, it's something that we had talked about as well on our show is that um, usually you can't get too critical over a Christmas special. Um, it, it really is just made as a holiday treat, uh, you know, an offering for fans and viewers alike. What I think is interesting is the way that um, I don't want to be too spoilerish here with regard to the trailer, um, but anyone who sees the title will know why I'm saying this. It seems that Stephen Moffat is drawing on literary traditions with Mm. the Christmas specials as well, which I think is quite fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've seen that without getting spoilery about this year. We can go back to last year with, um, Mm. you know... And A Christmas Carol. Yeah, with The Christmas Carol, which the name is... um, (laughs) Didn't mince words with the name of the episode, so yes. (laughs) It seems like every year or every other year, there's rumors and talk of a Doctor Who movie. And once again, we have those rumors, if you will. Actually, it was more than a rumor. It was a story in um, in Variety magazine. And it's um, I, I think it holds a little more credence than uh, just speculation and talk that we come to expect in the tabloids. So um, this was... Um, a story with uh, news of Jane Tranter of BBC Worldwide, uh, who is um, along with uh, David Yates, who's, I believe, is the director of the last four Harry Potter movies, which I haven't seen. I've, I've only I haven't really seen the, the latest Harry, the, the the later Harry Potter movies. So um, 
they're working together on, and they're looking for a screen. They well, they're looking for screenwriters. I guess they're, they're going to pick either one or plural. I'm not sure to to write a story for this movie to bring Doctor Who to the big screen. So uh, normally, you know, you sort of write it off, but since it is Jane Tranter and, you know, this is, you know, it, it seems to hold a little bit more water or a little bit more weight to it than past, like I said, than past times when when this comes up. It's, um, I've always said, I've you know, as I said, this comes up from time to time, that, you know, if they were to do a feature movie, my preference would be that it would be the current Doctor and it would take, you know, it would be incorporated into that current timeline, sort of like what they did with the X-Files when, you know, the X-Files had a feature movie or two while the TV series was still in production. And I felt that's the way that it should be done. Unfortunately, that's not the way this is being done. This is they're starting from scratch. And um, to quote, it was Yates, the, the the director they have lined up for it. David Yates had said, "Russell quote Russell T Davies and then Stephen Moffat have done their own transformations, which were fantastic. But we have to put that aside and start from scratch." End quote. So, um, so. What's everyone's feelings on that? I, um, like I said, I, I'm kind of that sort of. I, I would rather them not do that, do it that way. But um, what's everyone else thinking? I've, I've got. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So his point of view, you can see where he's coming from because you're basically going out there, we're making a new film franchise. I mean, the guy's obviously bored now that he's got no uh, Harry Potter's more to film, <laughs> uh, which has taken a, a great chunk of his uh, last couple of years, last six years or so. But uh, he is part, I mean, as much as we as fans would wish it all to be um, with current doctor and all that sort of stuff, if you're bringing in, if you want to bring new people, Really, if you want to bring new people, it's quite right. You have to start from scratch. Um, we're basically doing the opposite of what was done with Stargate. Uh, Stargate started up with a movie and then went to a TV series, and this is going sort of back to front in sort of the Star Trek vein of things. Well, usually that's how it happens. It's usually there's a there's a movie that then triggers off a television series. It's very rare that it's you know it's the other way around. You know, I've, like you said, Star Trek is a good example of it being the other way around. And, uh, but now, do you think this is going to be a origin story, or do you, um, or is this just going to be, well, sort of a new unearthly child, you know, or a new Rose episode, you know, where we are introduced to uh, the Doctor already in his adventures? Oh, I think. And I'm sorry. I go ahead. <laughs> oh, on you go. Oh, no, I was just going to say that my take on this is that given what we've been told by, especially with the interview with, uh, with Mr. Yates, that um, it's it's very much up in the air. I mean, this could go very, very well. It could go very, very badly. Uh, the one positive that I'm drawing from the minimal amount of information we've been given so far is that you know Yates did successfully, I think, do the last three, maybe four Harry Potter movies without ruining that iconic British franchise. So hopefully he'll be required to pay the same respect to Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing, so though... I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, Go ahead. I mean, I'm going back over the whole week of this story. I mean, when it first broke, <clears throat> my initial view was, oh, God, BBC Worldwide are trying to look for a, 
a, a means of doing something to justify them be, their existence and, and a, a, a sort of selling out. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, good, the BBC is going to back it. But as you read on, it's it's not like that at all. It, it, it's that actually, I think David Yates again is looking around for a franchise, uh, and Doctor Who is a damn good one. Uh, I mean, all this is coming on the 50th anniversary of of Bond franchise, mm-hmm. um, which has made a hell of a lot of money over the years, and he's in the same. He's in the same league. He wants that, and he's felt that Doctor Who is a good one. Now, whether this is him saying it, and because of him him being who he is, uh, he feels that he's going to get a lot of backing, and because um, he needn't expect too much off the BBC <laughs> in money. Um, whether he feels he's going to get a major backing behind him to to, to let this go is another matter. Um, Again, there are no scripts, there are no script writers, there's no production crew. It's basically him just saying, wouldn't it be nice to do a Doctor Who film franchise? So, you know, I, I'm, I, I can't actually see anything happening in news-wise for at least three years. Do you think they they are actively seeking out writers, though? It's The story sounded like they that Jane Trenton at... Jane Tranter and him were actually actively seeking out writers, but on um, both sides of the pond. Uh, and that's very, yeah, that's very likely. Very yeah. likely. Yeah, I was just going to say that that is very likely. I do agree with uh, uh, Dr. Bernard when he's saying that uh, it's it's obviously a little too early to tell. I mean, there have been thousands of movie projects that people have gone into with good intent and mm-hmm. they either die or just go into development hell even when they're further along than this is this is just kind of i think them reaffirming that if we find a good script writer we get a good script we find a good actor to play the doctor we get a green light we're going to do a movie in the next two to three years or that's our plan um so i mean it's very likely this might go the way of several other over the last 30, 40 years, several other Doctor Who film ideas that have tried to be pursued and then eventually died. Well, if I can come in here, I think what uh, is the the basis of this is that um, somebody's smelling the fact that the BBC might be thinking in two or three years they're going to arrest the franchise. Um, If you remember all the way back when we were the sadly missed confidentials, there was an early one there, and uh, Russell T. Davis was saying uh, how he is going to take this franchise forward for five years, then hand it over to someone else. We know that now happened. We've got Stephen Moffat in charge. And I've got a feeling that there may well be somebody at the BBC who's thinking, and I think I've read recently they've got some sort of five-year plan, because, of course, with the dire straits that the BBC is in, uh, BBC Worldwide and the revenues from the DVDs and all all the sort of merchandising that goes alongside Doctor Who is actually something that... Um, is is a very, very strong underpinning of their uh, franchises. Not only does it mean that they sell Doctor Who to lots of other countries, but on the back of Doctor Who, they sell a lot of other drama and programming. 
but I still feel as though there is an element in the BBC that think, uh, you know, when we get up to Doctor Who being back on our screens, maybe 10 years, came back in 2005, uh, so when it gets back to 2015, there's going to be people in the hierarchy of the BBC saying, right, let's do what we say, we'll not over-milk the golden goose, no, that's a mixed metaphor, isn't it? You know what I mean? Eggs and hell, but you know what I mean? Um, uh, they will say something like, right, we're going to arrest it. Now, I don't particularly want uh, a Doctor Who movie, but what I think I would be rather nice is if they say that Doctor Who is going to be rested on the TV for, let's say, uh, four to five years, if they produced three movies, a trilogy, if you will, of Doctor Who movies, in that um, you know, interregnum in that period um, because one of the things I don't like about the movie that puts me off and, and maybe other people in the panel will want to comment to this particular point is I don't want two parallel Doctor Who's going mm -hmm. on side by side where they don't reference one another I'd almost rather Doctor Who jump from the small screen to the big screen uh, for, the point is of course can you ever get it back onto the small screen. So I think there's an awful lot of uh, things. Uh, it, it could be marvellous, but uh, I think most of the people here may be on the cautious side like me, thinking, don't mess with it. It's doing great guns. We're absolutely over the moon, I think, most of us. Even though uh, I'm in Lewis's camps, I, I don't particularly want my Doctor Who to be fairy tales and, uh, you know... Mm -hmm. uh, potions being thrown into the um, in the mix when the master's coming back and, and things like that and I don't want to start any controversy like that that's old ground uh, but the point is that um, even so uh, Dot Who has been an unbridled success I'm happy as Larry about it uh, so I feel as though you know, there's an awful lot at stake they could mess it up but I'd, I'd, at the same time I wouldn't want two completely separate universes of Doctor Who uh, sort of coexisting as it were yeah. uh, like you have like with Smallville and, and Superman films you know well we had it in the 60s with the Peter Cushing films we had you know that was going on while the TV series was still in production and you had two Peter Cushing films out there that didn't follow the established television canon at all, really, you know, very loosely. Yeah, case I mean, proved. I mean they, they had uh, the stories, the Terry Nation stories that they were d retelling, but outside of that, it really had no connection to the television series at all. It was a mad inventor, really. You've got, to remember, mm -hmm. you've got to remember at the time that that went out, there were no DVD players, there were no way of recording things, and it was going out. And I was there as a kid. I was that man. And when the films came out, I mean, I now know it was Terry Nation trying to make a buck. Uh, fair enough. The BBC didn't condone it. They wouldn't let them use the proper TARDIS interior. Even the sound effects went out the window. Whatever. As a kid, it was the Daleks in full colour on a bloody mm -hmm. great big screen. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I kept going over and over and over again. I still love the film, not because it's canon, not because it's actually really anything to do with Doctor Who, not as we know it now, but because it was just brilliant Fun. at the time. Fun. It was it was the thing to go and see. And then they did it again. <laughs> it was such a hit, they went out and did it again. And, you know, it was, it was great, but not... As a child, it was irritating not having the proper targets. 
I remember it irritating me as a kid. Uh, it irritated me that it wasn't William Hartnell playing the role. But I got over that because I quite liked the character uh, that pa- uh, Peter Cushing was playing. You know, and that's uh, different eras, different things for different eras. And really, we don't need that sort of thing anymore. I think there's a, a lot of potential, though, um, for taking a point back in the Doctor's history, not necessarily the beginning. Um, there's, what, 850 years of his life that hasn't been told yet? Including well, yeah, I mean, sorry, Patrick Hartnell wasn't an old man all the time, was he? I mean, he was a kid yeah, at some stage. Yeah. <laughs> a young Indiana Jones come Doctor Who. Mm. Well, they have said that they it want it. Work. Where have I gone? <laughs> what did they click on? And, and you've also got the potential. I mean, if they got the right writer in, I think, I think, I'm probably right in saying that if Neil Gaiman was writing the script, pretty much everyone would like to see that. Yeah, I don't think many people will be upset. Well, he, he's enough of a he's enough of a massive Doctor Who fan himself, having also grown up mm. with the the series. That I think he was one of those writers that could do it just justice. He could be um, very very respectful to all that history. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying I would quite like to see uh, three films, but uh, my my worry is, you know, how it. Um, fits in with what's happening on TV. Somebody in the text put about uh, X-Files managed to do it with the, the X-Files movie and the series. Uh, but I don't, I, I'm not sure whether the, the series was still on TV when the movies went out. I mean, does anybody else on the panel think that the films could fill a gap and do they think that Doctor Who should at some point take a, a three-year break from TV and, and come back reinvented again? I'll use the example of the uh, Star Trek films, which were very successful, and even the ones that were done with the original crew, even though that franchise had been off the air for decades, um, it was still William Shatner playing Kirk. It was still the same story. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like the Abrams reboot reboot that came out a couple of years ago. Same with when they did The Next Generation. And in fact, in that point, Star Trek was on television again, and those movies were considered, as far as I understand, more or less canon. Uh, So it's something that could work if they were tie-ins. It's something that could very well work if what you said happened, if they took Doctor Who either on a hiatus or just made movies that were completely a separate Doctor Who universe and that sort of thing. It's all in how they approach it. It's like I said before, I think this could be very good or it could be very insulting to lifelong fans of the series. Well, to quote... Well, there's bit bit stuff going on in chat here. Uh, In Second Life as well, we have uh, a chat going on the side. It's a bit like when we do the live shows in TalkShoe in that uh, way. And... There is a suggestion coming up from quite a lot of people. Uh, it would be a good idea. I think I'd go for this. Is that they cover the time war, basically? Well, uh, this I, would probably make Terry Nation's estate very happy. Yeah, I, I doubt they're going to do that. Though, uh, as far I, as we know, is the Time Lords against the um, Daleks, and we could quite simply bring back Paul McGann to fill the role for these three films. Which should make Paul McGann very happy because he never, apart from in audio, never really had a chance to play uh, the Doctor properly uh, to any great extent. He did it. I mean, I thought he did a brilliant job in the movie, uh, but I'd like to see him carry that sort of stuff on. So possibly, uh, if it's movie-wise, it's probably the only way 
Uh, you, if you were going to try and make it fit into canon, uh, you do the three films doing the uh, doing the Time Wars, and then at the end of the third movie, you get uh, because it's a movie, you might be able to twist the arm of one certain uh, Mr. Eccles Cake uh, to come back and basically do the uh, regeneration scene. I mean, as a fan, I would love to see that. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the main problem, though, the BBC has to be aware of, and this is my main worry, is what messed them up uh, when they did the TV movie, is their rights. They really need to keep hold of their rights or rights, uh, whichever contracts they have to write, in such a way that they are the uh, be-all and end-all as far as the rights go and not give anything away uh, to any great... Um, Degree. Yeah, let me read another quote from David. Lots things up straight after the TV movie. Let me read another quote well, from and, David and that's Yates. A, that's a good point. Also, uh, when we were mentioning earlier, the gentleman who's actually, you know, allegedly agreed to direct a Doctor Who movie, uh, I made the statement earlier that he didn't mess up, quote unquote, Harry Potter. And I think the big, the, one of the big reasons he didn't was I'm pretty sure that J.K.'s people were very tight on his level of. Um, artistic freedom as far as taking dramatic license with what was written in the novels. Uh, if the BBC is smart, they'll do the same thing with Doctor Who. Otherwise, it, it could very well be a train wreck. Well, let me read this quote then from, this is from David Yates. He, he says, quote, I mean, that was, I mean, I, I hold think on, uh, what Graham said it would be rather interesting. It would be nice to have the Sixth Doctor back um, and uh, maybe uh, Christopher Eccleston do more than just um, um a regeneration part. Uh, I mean, I don't know how it would work. It would be lovely to have a trilogy where you have the eighth Doctor in one, the ninth Doctor in another, and the tenth Doctor in the third. But um, you can't do that, of course, because we we we've already moved from nine to ten. But certainly having the eighth and ninth on board uh, would be. And, and I think uh, it's already we we can't have an intermediary one can we because it's, it's fairly well established the uh, the numbers so it's not as though we can have the eighth doctor somebody else as the doctor and then go back to um Christopher Eccleston yeah i was going to be difficult i was going to maybe the, that's the pitfall of of trying to integrate it mm. in with the time war um, but I know there's a lot Testing. of people f- still feel as though that's left unresolved and it's still a Testing. little bit of a a sticking point for them. It would absolutely be a, a big screen project. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I, I've heard Hello. actually uh, several people make the same kind of suggestion that, well, if we want it uh, with not the current Doctor, but something that could still be acceptable uh, to the fans, a, a Time War movie is the perfect idea. It's also one of the only cases I can think about actually swallowing seeing a former Doctor on the big screen. I don't want to see an entire movie of Tenant because the Tenth Doctor has already died and regenerated. Uh, so it's kind of one of those things that, for me, it would be really tricky. You either have the guys currently playing the Doctor, play the Doctor on the big screen, get someone else, or the idea of a Time War movie where you go back and see what we didn't get to see on screen with McGann and then regenerating into Eccleston. I think that, that would be a, a perfectly acceptable way to keep it canon and do something that is separate from the ongoing series. Is my mic working yet? Hello? I, I think the remark he made about Testing. wanting to reboot it suggests that he doesn't want to go there. Yes, I don't see that happening whatsoever. I see it being maybe not rebooted, but definitely with something completely different than what we've come to see on television. 
technical difficulties have occurred with the hosts of this podcast. Please do not adjust your broadband connection. Thank you. At this point in our panel discussion, the Second Life software stopped recognizing my audio input from my mic. It seems that it has a feature now, and the latest version has a feature that if you go off the Second Life software, in other words, you still can have it running in the background, but if you go off to a website and if you're there for, I don't know, a minute or so, it automatically puts you in away mode and mutes your audio. And when I go back to the app, it doesn't unmute <laughs> automatically. And there's no way to manually do it either. So I had to kind of fiddle with the settings and I lost the audio altogether. So we're going to resume the panel after this little audio snafu. Before we continue, I'd like to remind everyone about Audible. Audible is the leading provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction and fantasy, and so much more. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, well, over 500 devices for your listening anytime, anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Pachak, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And as always, we would like to make a recommendation. They have plenty of Doctor Who titles to choose from. You really got to check out the offerings they have. And they have some new Ninth Doctor stories. And this one is Doctor Who, The Deviant Strain. It's by Justin Richards, and it's narrated by Stuart Milligan. And you may remember Stuart Milligan from, um, he played Nixon in the most recent series of Doctor Who. This is um, the Ninth Doctor. We find the ninth, we find the Ninth Doctor, Rose, and Captain Jack in an abandoned Soviet uh, naval base. And there's something else going on there, of course. There always is with Doctor Who. He has a little sample of the Deviant Strain. Twenty years abandoned and forgotten out here, even with the base. They? I'm sorry. You said they, the Doctor replied. As if you think we're not from this community dockyard institution village, whatever we settle on calling it. You're not dressed for this climate, the soldier said. Neither are you, Jack pointed out. You aren't equipped for near-Arctic warfare, are you? Khaki is no camouflage out here in the snow, and I bet you haven't winterized your weapons. The soldier's eyes narrowed as he regarded Jack. You'll speak like an American. Thanks. It wasn't a compliment. Russian, the doctor murmured, just loud enough for Rose to hear, then louder. So what brings you to the Novorosk Peninsula, Colonel? I have my orders. Yeah, well, we've got ours, too. You think you've been yanked out here at short notice. You should see what happened to us. Rose could see the soldier tense slightly as the doctor reached inside his jacket. He kept the movement slow and careful, grinning, to show that he meant no harm. When he withdrew his hand, Rose could see that he was holding a small leather wallet. He opened it out to reveal a blank sheet of paper. Psychic paper. It would show the person looking at it whatever the doctor wanted them to see. Like I said, we've got our orders. The soldier nodded slowly, reading the blank page. 
I hope you don't expect me to salute, doctor. I'm sorry. Your thumb is over your name. Yeah. The doctor stuffed the wallet back inside his jacket. Right. This is Rose Tyler, my number two, and Captain Jack Harkness here is from Intelligence. Jack was grinning, too. You don't need to know which branch. I'm sure you can make a very good guess. The doctor clapped his hands together. So we're all mates, then, eh? His smile faded. And no, there's no need to salute. Just so long as you do what I need you to do, then we won't get in your way. Fair enough. So, who are you, then? Rose wanted to know. The soldier had turned and was gesturing to his men. The rifle snapped up, and the soldiers turned and started to move slowly and carefully across the clifftop. Some were heading for the stone circle, others towards the wood. You seem to have been as well briefed as we have, the soldier said as he turned back. I am Colonel Oyeg Lievin. Like you, we are here to investigate the energy spike the satellite picked up. Like you, I would rather not be here. So perhaps we can make this as quick and easy and as straightforward as possible. Once again, you can make that your selection or any audio book that Audible has to offer for this promotion. Again, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And now we return back to our panel discussion on the possibility of a Doctor Who movie. Uh, I, was saying, oh, I think it's working I was again. Say, go, go. Oh, well done. Hey. All right, the trouble is that... That that was a second life thing. I'm, everything was working every, everywhere else, but just not in second life. Uh, unfortunately, I the last few minutes wasn't being recorded at all. At least on my end here. All right, we didn't say anything anyway. All right, so um, <laughs> since I'm, I'm going to pick up from where I last heard the conversation, and uh, I apologize if I'm retreading stuff that that, that you know we already covered, but um, just to kind of pick up pick up from what um what graham was saying as far as um the eighth doctor and paul mcgann doing i don't see them doing it that way as much as um as us fans would like that to happen i don't see them doing that unfortunately um uh, if i can quote david yates the director once again quote he said uh, speaking of the movie of course he says quote it needs a quite a radical transformation to take to take it into the bigger arena end quote so what we're going to see is something that's going to be radically different than it's not going to be in the Doctor Who timeline, I don't think, of the television series. It's going to, at least I don't suspect so, uh, saying, um, being that he said that it's going to be started from scratch. And, uh, um, and I think it's going to be brought to another level. The, what I fear is that it's going to fall into what we see in typical action sci-fi movies of Today, it's going to be a lot of special effects and booms and bangs, and hopefully there's going to be some sub substance there. But as far as him, you know, paying respects to, you know, what he did with the Harry Potter films and continuing that and, and not, you know, um, changing that radically, I think here he is thinking of changing it radically. So I think it's he's taking a different approach than what he took with the Harry Potter films. In a way, in a way, has to change it radically. Marine um, at the back of the audience made a point that, unlike the Cushing movies, this time around, it's the BBC themselves that are 
basically licensing this franchise out to BBC America and BBC Worldwide. The, the core of the British Broadcasting Corporation is the Royal Charter. The BBC is funded by the government under the Royal Charter. And as Marine said, the BBC have to be very, very careful of what they're doing with the Doctor Who franchise, because if the film affects the series, they break the charter. If the film follows the series continuity, they're within the charter. But if the film and the series is on two different, totally separate continuity timelines, they still stay within the charter. It all comes down to the Royal Charter, which is why Yates has probably taken the easy way out and saying, well, we're just going to do a J.J. Abrams here with Star Trek and push the big reset button. Think, reset, done. That way the charter's not in the way. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I think yeah, whatever people sure. think about... Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. So I, was, I was saying, whatever people think about the latest Star Trek film, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was fabulously done. But I think that has changed the game. Uh, I think that has... I mean, we, we've had uh, reimaginings with, with the Planet of the Apes movies uh, to varying successes by different people's opinions. Uh, and there may obviously be lots of people that are not totally happy with what was done with Star Trek but there's no doubt about it the you know the men with money uh, the bean counters will see that as the way to go because it's um, you know they think uh, excuse the the, uh, the age ranges on this panel here but they assume that anybody over 25 is um, uh, irrelevant yeah they're, they're marketing the to the market. younger audience yeah they, they want to, you know, they're going to market to the ticket buyers, to to those, um, the majority of ticket buyers, which are what eighteen to twenty four year olds, I would imagine. Mm, you really can't group it like that. It's a science fiction or science fantasy area you're looking at. Is science fiction, uh, science fa uh, fantasy genre. So basically, it's the entire genre you're ticketing to. Uh, you'll you'll have the whole age range at any theatre if you could put the right film out there. I'll go off the last Harry Potter film uh, where I actually thought, uh, which I sat in the audience for, and yeah, you had everybody from little kids who were sort of, sort of getting into it and all that uh, to you know, there were actually grannies in the audience as well. So you're talking not so much as who you're looking at ticketing at. Because this sort of magical age range, 18 to 24s, they're getting all their bubblegum theatre as it is with things like Transformers, uh, which is, you know, no plots, it's big booms and bangs and uh, lousy... Um, oh, I've got the gym with him head now. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, they're, they're probably um, going to market it acting. probably towards a younger skew because Doctor Who is considered more of a children's show in, in the UK at least. So it's, I'm, I'm sure they're going to yeah. gear it towards... Younger viewers. Within the cinema, you don't. Yeah, within the cinema, you don't have to sort of specifically gear things, do you? Really, you can sort of do a generalisation, and you can get a lot away with a fair few things more. Yeah, they're going to cast the biggest net possible. Because it'd be silly of them just to sort of, oh, this is our scope: eighteen to twenty-four-year-olds, and the thing bombs because they're basically just not interested. Well, let me ask a, a, a question to the panel. Do we, we assume that this is basically going to be a one-off, or do we assume that if it gets the green light and goes ahead, that somebody behind this is thinking at least a trilogy? 
Well, it all depends how well the first one does. So, mm. you know, yeah. if it's a moneymaker, you'd uh, be sure there'll be more. Go ahead, I'm sorry. A bit like The Golden Compass. Um, that is the first book in the trilogy, but basically it didn't do very well. And I don't think they're going to bother with parts two and part oh, three. Really? That's sad. I enjoyed that film. Yeah, I'd rather uh, like that, that one myself. Yeah, the thing is, it has already been dumped. It, it, it bombed, apparently bombed, uh, at the box office mm. and states, and that was it. The rest of the world was fairly good, um, but it bombed in the states, and that's as far as they were concerned, the end of the matter, and they haven't bothered a backsize to make any more. Because it's a pity, because the actual main actress there, uh, she'll now be basically... Like the Harry Potter films, it's a continuation of the story, and she'll be getting older, mm. but now she will, in fact, be far too old to go back to that role without any sort of, sort of explanations. That it'll basically just... You've got to follow the books to understand uh, a bit more. Uh, these were all done by uh, Bill, uh, Bill Pullman. <laughs> Philip Pullman. Yeah, Philip Pullman. And... Basically follows the journey there, and yeah. you, you can't say that this little girl went off in her, in the balloon there and was away for five years, as an example. Make no sense. So, unless they like recast her, I, I didn't see the movie, so I, I can't really speak directly to it. But I would imagine they could. It was brilliant, but it was just... recast the character. Yeah. It's as good as the book said. The books are the books rock. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the with the Doctor Who, Who films, I can see that quite a few British character actors would love to see a franchise Ooh, spring yes. up around Doctor Who. Because if you think about it, they've lost Harry Potter, which was just a gift for British character actors. Mm. Oh, yeah, showcase. So well, that, that brings us to the next big question. Who would you cast as the doctor? Well, now I... <laughs> I knew that would be the first name, and I quite like, <laughs> well, I more than like him, he, he would be uh, absolutely brilliant, I would think. Mm. A wonderful, older, irascible doctor. We could even go for the, the guy that's playing uh, Dr. Watson in the BBC uh, version of Sherlock at the moment, uh, Martin Freeman. I, th- I thought would be quite good. And yeah, the, the, the problem is, you've got to watch with him that he's not like, oh, look, we're watching Dr. Watson. Or is it Arthur Dent? It's the same guy. It doesn't have that same I, problem, but he wouldn't be half bad. I find him... I, I would dispute... Uh, Martin Freeman because I I think he's a great everyman character mm. the Arthur which Dent. he was in the office mm-hmm. and he was as Arthur Dent and mm-hmm. he was as Dr. Watson you know it's kind of the ordinary man thrust into extraordinary circumstances so he'd be a good male companion for a doctor but I'm not sure he'd be a good doctor yeah. On the other hand, uh, we just got to be careful that the uh, even though I saw him here, the Schalke doctor Richard E. Grant doesn't sort of turn up. I mean, he's not a British actor as per se; he's, he's um, South African, as far as I'm aware. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you think they're going to cast? I, I I don't know. For a feature film, I suspect they're probably going to cast someone either forty or younger. 
this I just, would say, it's just, I, I mean, I've been reflecting on this, and I would say they're going to go for... You remember this guy who's done Harry Potter films, and mm. he's had the same lead actor in it all the way through, and he's done mm. that because he started him out as a kid. Now, that's something to ponder on, isn't it? So, a Daniel Radcliffe as the but, doctor. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> I try not to. Uh, there was the one, there was the it one. could be fun or it could be really frightening. I mean, there's one or two people who uh, say, going off it being uh, Mr. Yates, uh, David Yates, uh, they were suggesting Rupert Grint. So we could finally have a ginger doctor. Oh, no. Oh, dear. <laughs> No, I mean, personally, I was seriously, personally, uh, really would love them just to get, get back, get the eighth, the original eighth doctor in, uh, and get him in playing. Whatever they decide to do with it. Whatever they decide to do with it. And that, again, that's, that's something that I'd like to say as well, actually. I was gonna say that I think a lot of us who are just really love Doctor Who in general would love to see Paul McGann again on Small Absolutely. screen, big screen. Yeah. We don't care. We would just love to see him get more screen time because uh, even though there were many issues that made us face palm with that one TV episode he was in, the TV movie, mm -hmm. he was a brilliant doctor. Oh, and absolutely. And proved himself with all the audios that he's done since then. But, um, but I suspect that may go with a name. You know, they, they may go because most people won't, you know, outside of the UK, unfortunately, don't know who Paul McGann is. Exactly. And so I agree with you on that. This is stuff that, of course, the fans would like to see, and they're all great ideas. And I'm like punching the air as I hear these ideas come out. I that the director and producers and the people who are going to write this film are going to do none of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a movie made for Hollywood or for the big it's, screen. It's not going to be a movie exactly. made it's for go, the fans. It, it's made for the broadest audience possible. Not They're not catering to the fans. Also, you've got to remember, this is now BBC Worldwide involved in this. And their last major production, um, along with good old Russell, was Torchwood Miracle Day. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble. Oh, well, I like Miracle Day. It was too long. It could have been condensed down mm. to five, six episodes. Absolutely. But other than that, I thought it was great. Torchwood Mackerel Day, because it stinks of rotten fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also the possibility... I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Dave Yates, and most of these sort of director-type people, they... It goes back to anything like JNT and, and and such people as well. Most directors and that sort they pull from people they know. So if you're really going to look at a, a future Doctor, we really need to be looking who had been cast in any of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, well, the last four Harry Potter movies as a potential. That means think, uh, people like Gary Oldman. It means David Thew Ellis. Um, it means who else do we have there? It was relatively the right age. Um, David Tennant was in them. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we'll have him back. Yeah. Barty Crouch Jr. Um, oh, I was trying to think that. Yeah, I, I, I very doubt, like Robbie Coltrane or anything like that. But you know, I very much doubt they'll <laughs> pick any actor that has played the Doctor before. 
I mean, unfortunately, it's not, it's not what I want. It's what I, I suspect is, you know, they're going to do. Yeah, but my tip would be to look to it to like, well, within the last four Harry Potter movies, and pick out potential actors from that. I mean, you could even have Alan Rickman. Now, Alan Rickman, that would be a really mental doctor, I suppose. Um, you could have some people's fancy again. The uh, the actor, and I'll get the names the wrong way round. Joseph Patterson or Patterson Joseph or whatever, mm. whichever way round it is. I just seen him recently in Death in Paradise. No, he would not make a good doctor. <laughs> um, but you know, this is sort of this sort of idea. I mean, you could you could have something with the master. So then you would have you could quite literally bring in Alan Rickman there. Alan Rickman as the master, so you have literally a really good master, at least a decent master since Roger Delgado, anyway. Uh, we just had Tyranny, sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Black Adder again pop up, uh, and she's saying, I would hold out hope that they will do a movie and they go off series, and then th- they pick a female doctor and explore that. So, what do you lot think of that? Well, that would be a radical transformation, as you know, they're claiming it that they that they want to do. I mean, as long as it's done well, I mean, it's going to be what it's going to be. I just fear I don't want it to see another like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and, and just relabel it Doctor Who. <laughs> Which uh, will do. <laughs> it excellent, very well. dude. Could happen. Doctor Who spelt D-O-C-T-O-R as the television series, and we're going to have D-R dot Who, <laughs> the movie. Well, sort of, that's what they did with the Peter Cushing films, didn't it? That wasn't, wasn't that, that's with, um, it was Doctor Who as a character, who was his last name. Yeah, that's true. That irritated me as a child, too. <laughs> <laughs> Raise your eyes to sing the theme tune. Has uh, David Yates... <laughs> yeah, I've got the theme tune. Where's the theme tune? <laughs> Has David Yates directed anything else of note that uh, maybe I've seen? I, I should have uh, IMDB him. I, I didn't. Uh, I'm just looking now, quickly. Mm. Um. Well, he did direct State of Play, the television serial. Which was one of the great things of the ninth of the early two thousands on BBC. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then that's promising. And uh, yeah. those that have uh, spoken earlier about the Harry Potter films, you know, the the last four films. Obviously, the, the, he did. Um, if he did the last four, that meant you know the the first three were good enough to do you know to continue doing them. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they took up four years of his uh, directorial life anyway, so um, a pretty big chunk of it, but he's won uh, uh, quite a lot of uh, Royal Television Society Awards and, and ba- nominated just... for BAFTAs and, yeah. Mm. yeah. He's, he's done some TV very work, good yeah. stuff. And that's quite interesting. I mean, he's he's done a lot of good TV work. Uh, and then he's done the Harry Potters, which are big movies. That's that's an interesting career projection. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, if he's come from TV, if you look at that sort of way, then he may be the right person to do this. Hmm. As fans, we all panic. Well, we yeah. all know what we want, and 
we're probably not going to get exactly what we want. Well, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, that was brought back, you know, in, into the theaters with Herb Bennett producing it, and his track record, his past career was all on television. So, you know, um, you know I, I don't really see that people lot, need to, uh, yeah, uh, you know, you don't have to be pigeonholed in one type of media to, um, you know, and not to be successful in another type of media. Uh, yeah, and a lot case, of people... I would say a lot of people hold that episode, uh, the, the Wrath of Calm was the most true to the series. Well, to it's a certain case, extent, I was thinking yeah. if a guy who's done films and done TV is more likely to be able to transfer things better. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, he's got a sort of better, because he's got a wider range of experience than somebody's, say, done just films. He's probably mm. going to have a better grasp of how to take something, Doctor Who, to put it on the big screen. One thing I'd just like to bring into the conversation is that if it is uh, a past story uh, with a you know um, you know that doesn't relate, we then have the option to bring the other time lords into the story where uh, where they're a little bit um, in suspended animation at the moment. But I mean, uh, one advantage that they could do with making it a parallel one is that. You know, you could have him up against, uh, you know, an, another, uh, even a new uh, Time Lord. Well, they, they're saying they're starting from scratch, so I, I think probably all the past Doctor Who adver- adversaries, you know, and, and aliens are probably out the window too, perhaps, if they're truly starting from scratch. I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, if you go off Dave's idea, then the Time War would be perfect. Because you could bring, bring in Russell on, and then you could bring in uh, Timothy uh, to play Spitting Russell once again. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is, there's a big name for you, Timothy Dalton, you know. And I think maybe as fans, we'll try to make it work into canon, but I suspect it's going to be a completely new off-track thing it's it's going to be a i'm not going to say it's going to be um in the same league or but it's going to be akin to the peter cushing films where it's just not going to be connected to the television series as at all at, in in much way at all you know outside yeah, of was, probably a police box being the tardis and you know key concepts you know being the same but otherwise it's going to be a fresh new start i suspect and uh it's not to say that that couldn't be enjoyable i've actually through watching local chat and some of the suggestions that some of the audience has put out, a lot of the references they're making are to the novels and the audios, which are not part of Doctor Who canon. They're all very good, or most of them I've experienced are very good, but they are also, as this film is quite well going to be, very disconnected from the actual television franchise itself. Yeah, it'll it'll be loosely connected to the main TV franchise itself, but again, because it is a smaller branch of the main British Broadcasting Corporation that's taking direct control of the film, the BBC themselves have to be very, very careful that they don't break the Royal Charter, because when that charter's broken, they are in for a lot of trouble from the UK government and the licence fee payers people like me and everyone else in the UK is paying a TV licence. Another thing they can't do is they can't suddenly say... 
two or three years down the line, like after the 50th anniversary. Hello, this is BBC One. We'd like to say we're going to cancel the show and concentrate everything on the film, because they can't do that either. They have got to keep the series on the air. If they pull the series from the air, and then they say, well, the reasoning behind this is because we're going to spend more money on this film. The licence payers will be up in arms. It's like Mm. we're paying the British licence fee for you to give all the money to BBC Worldwide, which is a commercial arm of the BBC, and that's where our money's going? I don't think so. So they're going to There, have would, to there would be the riots goal. in the street. Yeah, well, well there wouldn't be riots. Well, there might be. Depends. Yeah, I'm going to uh, tweet about uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> riots in the streets. We set that back in 1989, too. If they you know, were to take Doctor Who off the air, and unfortunately they did. <laughs> and, and there were no riots, unfortunately. No. We just had Doctor well, in I distress. Bring them back. We won't no, take less. Right the street this time round. <laughs> There'll be a lot of, um, let's say, the uh, people who did the thing about the financial riots there in London. They just need an excuse to go out because they want a new telly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, basically, I mean, all we have to do now is just wait and see. I mean, as um, Dr. Bernard said before, they're just looking for script writers now. It's too early to really speculate too much but that's i mean basically that's what we've been doing today and um voicing our concerns and hopes and um we'll see where it goes you know and obviously uh stay tuned to talk to you Pachak, as well as the tardis newsroom and pachak.net and um you know stay connected to the second life year in, in the doctor who expo and we'll you know keep keep everyone informed of what's going on I think basically they've got a good director in. He's directed he's directed TV shows like Bill, and that's a hit TV show for ITV. He's directed the last four Harry Potter movies. He's he's proved himself as a director. We won't know anything until they announce the writer. The director has to work on what the writer gives them. It's all down to the writer. If they get a decent enough writer in, the film might have a good chance. Mm-hmm. Russell's over there, isn't he? He's yes, not doing anything yes. at the moment, is he? <laughs> well, I'll Stephen, Mo- Stephen Moffat wrote the uh, the Tintin film that's just come out. Yeah, I, again, I suspect they're going to not use Russell T Davies and not use Stephen Moffat. They're going to take it away, from, you know, steer it away from the television series as much as possible. I mean, that's not what I want. That's what I think they're going to do. Sarcasm, I kind of I agree with you on that. Because um, just based on the the quotes that Variety published, he was mm-hmm. speaking about them very much in uh, third person. Yeah. You know, in terms of they did this. Now it's yeah. time for us to do this. Exactly. Exactly. But there are people we would like to be doing that as the writer, definitely. Yep. Though uh, Neil Gaiman was tossed around earlier in our discussion, so I mean, I'm sure if they announced him. You know, that might be the the one writer that won't get too many complaints from the Doctor Who community at this point. Mm. And, and maybe this is the What was that? I'm sorry. Say that again, Dr. Bernard. I said, in fact, that's the only way it would work. When you think about it, I mean, if you, if you want to include the Doctor Who fans in it, as opposed to cinema guy audiences... To get Neil Gaiman to write the first script, it, it couldn't. It, it's, it's a winner, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. No, obviously, there's no complaints here. So. <laughs> no, but with you get Neil Gaiman, but you're also pulling all the Neil Gaiman fans as well. Yeah. Well, we could do a bloody good film between us, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Well, I'm just trying well, to remember. It's one of the guys who was Gallifrey. He's also a writer. He does DC Comics an awful lot. I hate when I bring thoughts. He did the Just a Minute panel. Paul Cornell? Paul Cornell. Now, that's the guy they should get into in write, because he has a good hand for that. I mean, DC Comics doesn't just pull in anybody. Uh, to write for their comics mm-hmm. and he's been doing it quite a long time and he's also written for um, Doctor Who as well he's done a couple of episodes of Doctor Who and the the Family of Blood two-parter that was his cap oh so. that was excellent yeah Paul Cornell popped in my head as well uh, also and I'm not bringing this up as a matter of debate or anything but I did rather enjoy Richard Curtis's uh, episode from last series, the mm-hmm. Vincent and the Doctor story, and he's also well-known as a film screenwriter, uh, but, you know, he might be another good choice to, to script the movie as well, although I would prefer Gaiman do it, personally. But if you got Curtis into it, you'd have what they're after, the more um, rounded scripts that bring everybody in sort of idea. Though that is still my favorite episode of Doctor Who of all time still. Well, we'll, we we will see, you know. I'm sure with that article being published earlier this week, many potential writers are putting their names in the hat and trying to reach out to be, um, you know, among those that are um, considered. All right, well, I guess that will conclude our panel. Any further thoughts on the movie before we wrap the panel up? Well, I think we ought to just say each of us uh, whether we think it's a good idea on the whole or not. Are we... In fear. Well, I, I started the panel saying that, you know, I would have prefer that they would do, if they were ever to do a movie, that it would be within the continuity of the television series and it would be the current actor playing the Doctor that would play the Doctor in the TV series, I mean, the movie. Un- unfortunately, they're not going that way. So um, I can only, I, I hope, you know, it's going to be the best. Obviously, I don't wish them ill, but um, I would have preferred it to be, if they were going to do a film during Matt Smith's run, it would be Matt Smith and it would somehow work into his series. And that's how I would prefer it, but they're not doing it that way. So what I think and what I hope <laughs> doesn't really matter to them. But that's that's my feeling. So I, I'm trying to be optimistic, but I'm concerned. I was just going to say, and I'll relate this to the uh, the Star Trek reboot that hit in 2009. I was horrified that they were doing that. I was horrified they were doing the movie. I was more horrified that Abrams was running it. I was like, he is going to totally screw up Star Trek. And... I, I rather enjoyed the movie. So having that experience, I think it's really too soon for me to give a yay or nay. Uh, I think we've all voiced what our concerns would be and our suspicions on what they're actually going to do going forward. Uh, so I, I don't think I can give it a hard yes or no. It's a good idea or it's a bad idea. I'm still kind of on the fence. It could be very, very good. It could be very horrible. The way I see it, this, this is resting entirely on the shoulders of the British Broadcasting Corporation. There is checks. The BBC is one of the last few remaining state-run, and it's a state-run 
broadcaster. There's checks and balances in place. The BBC know fine well if the film gets released and is an utter abomination, they will have to answer directly to the licence payers and directly to the government and directly to Her Majesty the Queen for the Royal Charter. So there's going to be checks and balances put in place. They've got a good director. I'm hoping they'll get a writer in that knows their Doctor Who history. And when the script is done, I reckon they'll probably pass the script through... Stephen Moffat first, so Moffat can give it a nod. If Moffat gives it a nod, I'm fine with it. Simple as that. Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much agree with Victor, I think. It, it, David Yates is a good director with a good rep, and it really does depend on who he gets in as a writer. Yeah, I, was, I was just going to say, speaking as a lifelong <coughs> years watcher of Doctor Who <coughs> um, it's Doctor Who I don't care it's more Doctor Who bring it on <laughs> I, you know it's, <laughs> I, I don't care if it's a cartoon bring it on anything Doctor Who I'll have it very good uh, I've got, I've I'll got a full size console in my living room who am I going <laughs> to argue with the feature film I, I agree with Tristan um, uh, the, uh, the new Star Trek movie I was uh, concerned about, but I thought it was a fabulous reboot. So, if that can be done, this can be done. And Graham, I'm also going to agree with uh, Dr. Bernard real quick. Whatever Doctor Who you've got, I'm having it. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want more. Anything. I want cartoons every half hour. <laughs> no, um, I'm just afraid that the BBC are going to mess things up like they did last time and lose their rights once again. That's my only main concern. When you say last time, are you talking about the Peter Cushing films? No, I'm talking about the TV movie. Oh, okay. Uh, there, was, there, was, there, was, there was a slight difference between what was yeah. going on with the TV movie. Yeah, you had three uh, studios to com- that they were contending yeah, with. You had Universal. If, if you were, if, Go ahead, I'm sorry, Victor. Yeah, yeah. If you were lucky enough to get the, the, the second cut the second release of the DVD of the um, Fox movie, Philip Segal was very... He was the director, executive producer, mm-hmm. I think, or something. Yeah. He was very, very critical of what was going on behind the scenes. He had to please Universal. He had to please the BBC. He had to please BBC Worldwide. He had to please the Royal Charter, the government, and, the UK government even had their hand in it. And they Fox. even had to please Fox. Yeah. That was five different corporations. The biggest mistake the BBC done with the McGann film is they went outside for funding far too much. That was the problem with the McGann film. Hopefully they don't make the same mistake with these new films. Although it's the BBC. They probably will. That is exactly my point. Yeah, well, just to um, touch upon, since it was brought up twice, the the whole J.J. Abrams thing is, um, though I the the that two thousand and nine twenty oh nine Star Trek film is enjoyable as a Star Trek film. It's just I, I my only gripe about it is that they did try to pry it into the into the existing timeline. If it was a completely new, you know, reboot. I wouldn't, you know, it's just the fact that they changed around with the whole timelines and all that. So if this is going to be a whole new Doctor Who start, then let it be a whole new Doctor Who. Don't try to wedge it in and kind of destroy, 
you know, evaporate what we've seen already over the last 50 years to, um, you know, <laughs> to uh, start anew, you know. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone um, for taking part in the panel. And I also uh, I, I failed to mention at the beginning of the panel that Dave Cooper, you can also hear Dave Cooper on the Cultum Collective, which is another podcast. He's a you know correspondent with us for many years on Talk to You, Pachak, but he's also has his own show that he does with um, Ian Bissett called the Cultum Collective. So you want to check that out. That's on, available on iTunes as well. And Graham, why don't you tell us uh, the two shows that you do? Oh, yeah, it's gone from two now to three. Oh, uh, three. Two Doctor Who pod. Yeah, it's the two Doctor Who podcasts. The one is the Second Doctor's podcast, and uh, the other one is the Professor How uh, Doctor Who parody podcast, where I do sort of. Well, you may know me for doing a, se- a good Second Doctor and that. And to that, since nobody's out there doing it, uh, Terry Pratchett. There's no podcast about Pratchett's Discworld, so I'm out there doing the Pratchett podcast with a co-host called Rhys Parton, who does the Who's the Man podcast for Doctor Who. And they're all available via iTunes. All right. Great. I want to thank Graham, Graham Sheridan, Dave Cooper, Victor First Morningsing, uh, Dave Lewis, uh, Dr. Bernard here, as well as uh, Tristan Avedon, a.k.a. Mike Rao, and, um, and once again, the beautiful and lovely Sophia Windison, Windishins. Oh my. Windishins. <laughs> Wind- <laughs> it's actually. Go ahead. It's I'm actually sorry. an old English word for meaning to walk round anti-clockwise. Ah. You go around something Windishins, you go the wrong way. So I should really know that because that's the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Always going against oh the grain. My. <laughs> <laughs> not not too late to change your display name there, uh, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to. So thanks, and thanks, everyone, for attending. We had a great crowd. And, and the sim didn't crash. And the sim didn't crash. Yeah. Yeah. didn't crash. Yeah. Though I did have some technical problems here with the Second Life application, but that was to be expected. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Victor, you want to tell everyone what's going on as far as schedule-wise? We have the dance party at... Um, coming up in a half hour, I think. Yes, we have the main Doctor Who pod shop podcast party with, of course, the one and only DJ Edward Pierce. Excellent. Um, at three o'clock in half an hour's time. That finishes at five thirty. There's a half an hour break, and then we head over to Who Island at six o'clock Second Lifetime for the uh, Doctor Who aftershock pod shop party, and that's us. Yay! Excellent. And of course, Lewis, you want to tell people that. Uh, Podshocks now on Google Plus. Yeah, we just opened up a Google a Google Plus page too. Well, a Google Plus page also, so you can find us there as well. Yeah, huh? you're in my circles. So that was our panel on the Doctor Who movie. This was our uh, third panel discussion that we recorded for Doctor Who Podshock at our regular meetups on Second Life. I want to thank the great panel that we had once again. It was a fantastic turnout that we had at the panel. So I hope you can join us next time. We're going to be doing it again in February. I think we're going to be doing it at our meetups for going forward. I don't know what the topic will be. We kind of toss around ideas for what the topic will be right before the event itself. But uh, this gives you a little taste of the of the panel as well as what you heard at the end there, Victor giving you a rundown of what comes on after that. So there's more than just the panel that goes on. 
at our meetups on Second Life. And we do these meetups every three months. It's usually the third Saturday of the month. So there's November, February, May, and um, August, right? And then there's November again. So hopefully you'll be able to join us now. Next one is in February because we just had our November one. So the next one, uh, now normally, as I said, it's usually the third Saturday of the month, but this time it's going to, that would be the 18th, which I believe is the weekend that Gallifrey One is taking place. So usually we kind of reschedule the the February uh, meetups so that it doesn't conflict with Gallifrey One. So it will either be before it, which would be, would put it on um, the 11th or possibly the 25th. Of course, we also have to take into account what else is going on at the Doctor Who Expo, you know, Katrina on Second Life. So uh, we'll work that out. And as the date gets closer, we'll announce the actual date of the next meetup. And hopefully you can join us for the panel discussion. If you are a regular longtime, you know, attendee at our meetups on Second Life, you know that in the past, we used to have TARDIS tours, and the panel is now taking that time slot that was usually delegated for the TARDIS tours. Now, Second Life has changed drastically uh, since the last TARDIS tours. They've upgraded it and added some new features and all that. So what we'll probably do next time is incorporate TARDIS tours back into our meetup and, you know, so we can explore some of the new features that Second Life has to offer you know, as far as Doctor Who related things go in Second Life, so we'll um, we'll get that into the schedule. Most likely, that may, that may take place after the panel discussion, but before the party. So we'll kind of work it out. As always, stay tuned to Podshock.net for details on our meetups. Now, you heard me just mention that Gallifrey One is in February. Indeed, it's February seventeenth through nineteenth of twenty twelve. This February will be our fifth year attending, covering, and recording our live show on stage at the event. Though, the only way we can get back to Gallifrey One this coming February, which is now less than three months away, is with your support. We haven't even covered the cost of attending the past Gallifrey One event, let alone being able to cover the cost of this upcoming show. Now, the actual convention is not costly itself. Gallifrey One's admission have been, has always been reasonable, But we are flying across the country to get there. There are hotel and other expenses involved in bringing Dr. Pachak to L.A. for this epic event. Sadly, at the current level of support that we're getting from our listeners, it is doubtful that we can do it again. We need your support to bring the show there as well as being able to continue doing this show. If you have been considering becoming a Pachak supporting subscriber in the past, now is the time to do it. If you've been one of our past subscribers and perhaps had your membership lapse, I urge you to consider becoming a supporting subscriber again. This episode and every episode of Doctor Who Pachak is made possible in part by Pachak supporting subscribers. It's the only way we can bring you the show is with the support of you, our listeners. We are tremendously grateful for the support that we've been given, and we want to give a big thank you to all our supporters since we can't do it without you. So please go to podchalk.net or arttrap.com and look on the top there. You'll see a banner there on how to become a Podchalk supporting subscriber. For a low monthly supporting fee, you'll be helping us to continue and grow the show. And as always, we are grateful for that support and we try to give something back to supporting subscribers. Whether there are extra episodes or other perks that we have to offer, we do it. So that's podchalk.net 
or arttrap.com and you'll find a banner on the top there on how to become a supporting subscriber. And hopefully we'll see you at Gallifrey One. If not, we hope to cover the event if you're not going yourself. But as I said, we can only do it with your support. So on that note, I think we're going to round out this show. I do have a classic interview with Peter Davison that I was going to include in this episode, but this um, we're running a bit late now, so I think we'll save that for our next episode. So that's something to look forward to. Once again, I want to thank all our panelists and everyone that attended our Second Life seasonal meetup. We'll be doing it again in February. Hope to see you there. And special thanks to Victor and the other Doctor Who Expo admins there that kind of host the show for us, um, that accommodate us there and make it possible. So on behalf of them and our panelists and everyone involved with Dr. Palachuk, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving for those that celebrate it, a great Dr. Who anniversary. And I know you all celebrated that. I, I usually celebrate it by watching the first part of An Unearthly Child, which I did this year once again. It was always enjoyable. I don't know why. It's just, it just never seems to get old. It's as, you know, even though it, it does get old chronologically, but it doesn't, doesn't seem to get old for me. It's always a pleasure watching that. So until next time, cheers, everyone. You've been listening to Doctor Who Pachak, presented by the fan-run GallifreyandEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Pachak theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode was also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices now in the iTunes App Store. Here's what our cameras in Hawaii I love humans. Well, All the same patterns and things that aren't there. Obvious.